0: Welcome to True Enough. This is our season one bonus episode where we have an interview with Julie Murray, the sister of missing Maura Murray. And as you recall from listening to that episode, Maura was just 21 years old when she disappeared on the evening of February 9th in 2004 after her car crashed on Route 112 in Haverhill, New Hampshire. As you remember, her body has not been found and her family still has no idea what has happened to her. I had the great opportunity to speak with Mora's sister, Julie, and it was a great pleasure of mine to be able to hear her side of the story and to hear a little bit about Mora. what you're about to hear is a conversation that she and I had. You will notice that certain things have been beeped out. That is to protect names and identities from being revealed at this time. So how, how is your relationship now with the police?
1: Well, it's a little bit better. So I I kind of took more of a public role um, in recent years. Um, and I take a little bit different approach than my dad, where I'm trying to, you know, smooth it over a little bit, <laughs> put a little honey on it, so right. throwing, throwing all the, the salt at them. And um, it's worked <laughs> out. A little bit in that they, they have shared some information with me, um, that they had not previously shared, but I mean, still like I'll send in, I sent in a tip this morning and it's like, I send it in and then it's a, it's just radio silence. (sighs) I hear, I never hear anything back. It's like a black hole and I get it, you know, it's an open investigation and they've got to protect the investigation but at the same time it's 17 years old they've never classified it as a criminal case so it's considered an open investigation missing person and under that classification you would think that they would be able to share at least with the family some of the case files but they will not
0: hmm that's frustrating So you have kind of a good relationship with them, but it doesn't sound like it's entirely forthcoming, at least on their part. Uh, But you're still sharing, you're still getting tips and sharing them with the police.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great that you're getting them. Thank God. Okay. So it's, so it's not like you're not getting anything at all from, you know, various people every once in a while, a tip pops up. What would you say on average? Do you get them like a week, a day?
1: No, it's, it's more like, it really depends on the, um, the online community, how active people are in the chat rooms Well, not chat rooms, but like Twitter, right? the group, the group pages, like the more you get people talking, um, the more tips come in. So the more exposure, the more podcasts I do, the more media that I do, the more tips come in. And a percentage of that off the top is just total, just white noise. People want to inject themselves and, and, you know, feel like they, some of them are are totally, um, benign where, you know, they're just trying to do the, do the right thing. They may have heard something or saw something that they think it might be important. But a lot of them is just total junk. But then, you know, it's it's that small percentage of, of tips that come in that said, hey, I found something that I didn't think was important at the time, but I just saw something on ID channel about your sister and here's what I know. And so it's those type of things that I will just file. Most of them go directly to the cold case unit anyway, but some right. of them that get filtered into me, I push all of it right to the cold case unit. Right
0: right well that's good i i guess that it's still you know depending on what kind of media is going on about it it's still it's still chatter which anything is good um right so getting to the actual case and again if you feel uncomfortable answering any of these questions just let me know um so can you describe what you remember from your last conversation that you had with mora
1: uh-huh. So I was on active duty in the army at the time. I had just returned from a year long tour in South Korea. Um, and so I was, um, I came home for that Christmas. I think I came home December 23rd. Tamara would have been on her Christmas leave from UMass because she was in the nursing program. Right. I came back and I, ha- I think I had about two to three weeks of leave, meaning I, I was free to go visit my family for the holidays. And so I saw Mara then, um, and this would have been the month before she disappeared, um, uh, December 03. Um, and then I packed my stuff, and I shipped down to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, um, and that's where I was um, for the rest of Mara's break, and then Mara went back to UMass. And the last conver- so we were in contact. We were sort of planning. She was helping me, like, Try to pick out like furniture for my first brand new apartment, and it was it was exciting for right, me, you know, right. to finally have my own space. So she was helping me with that. I was like, "Does this look stupid?" She's like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "All right, <laughs> what about this?" <laughs> you know, so it was fun stuff like that. Um, but the last conversation I had with Mara was the Saturday before she disappeared. Okay. Um, she was at UMass. Uh, and my dad actually came up from Connecticut cause he was on a traveling job and he went to visit her at UMass. Um, and he was trying to get her a car. Um, yes, the car yes.
0: had,
1: yeah, the car she had was total crap and it was falling apart. Um, it, he, she actually went to, um, Connecticut to visit my dad. And when she was in Connecticut, it totally just crapped out. Like it wouldn't run. So, my dad had to drive it for her back to UMass from Connecticut um, because he didn't feel comfortable with her driving it from Connecticut to UMass by herself.
0: Right. And w- was that the same car that she drove up to New Hampshire in?
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so- that, sat- that Saturday, they were doing car shopping, and she called me. Um, it was around, I think it's, it was like 3.30. I have it written down somewhere, but... Right, uh like mid-afternoon and she was saying hey i'm with dad blah, blah blah we're doing this we're about to go get some dinner and have some beers whatever and i was like oh that sounds so cool i'm you know doing my thing down here okay. and then that was the last phone conversation that i had with her
0: okay and that and she, was that was the same weekend that she got into the accident in hadley hadley
1: wait no yeah, that's right so, yeah okay. so that was a she talked to me a few hours before she got into the accident okay. so they finished up the car shopping they found one that they liked but uh it was a little bit out of the price range my dad was thinking about four thousand um but this one was i think more five to six thousand dollar range so he was gonna um just come back the next weekend to to get that um then they went out for dinner they had some beers at amherst brewing company um one of Mara's friends joined them, um, and then my dad went back to the hotel, and um, he gave Mara his, his new car, the Corolla. Right. Uh, Mara took it and went back to the dorms, had this... It's, it's controversial now, because we can't determine whether it was a full-blown party right. or whether it was a gathering.
0: Or it was a couple so- of friends. Have any of those friends ever come forward and said... I was there at this party, and this is what went on, and this is how Mara acted. And had, has anyone come forward from that party or gathering?
1: <laughs> well, there's there's two friends um, who Mara was closer. They were on the track team together. Uh, Mara was injured, so she wasn't actively running on the track team. But they had been on the track team together. Mara was friends with. She was at the party, and also, <laughs> yeah, so. It was it supposedly was in okay. dorm room so okay i'm thinking like a, a college dorm room relatively smaller space so how so many people could really fit a couple so, of
0: kids maybe five six yeah something like so,
1: that And have both spoken to my father Good. um and was a little just told my dad what she recalled from the party um told my dad that she was asleep the whole time so that was that's been a big red flag from the beginning that okay who like that's difficult to do a small dorm room your dorm room your party and you're asleep the whole time so
0: was she asleep or was she passed out from maybe yeah
1: that's a good question I'm, i'm not really sure so was a little bit less forthcoming with my dad okay. now what I will say is that both of them um did speak to police and I am Good. not sure what was discussed um okay. so a lot of times online and in, in these and in, in the media it says that they you know refused to speak to law enforcement and my family they did um but we we just don't know what they said right um I've actually exchanged some emails with, the, um, and she's very, her memory is very foggy on what happened. And she tells me what she can remember. And I found some things off of her. Um, but I have been trying to get in contact with, the, but I have been, uh, she's been unresponsive.
0: Okay. Hmm. Okay. But no one else who may have been at the party.
1: Yeah. So the other, this, this gathering slash party, um, it's unsettling for me. Obviously there was more than just there. Uh, we know that there were three men there that did not go to UMass. Um, I, I know the names of those three men now, and I've tried to reach out to them. Um, but I have not been able to make contact. Um, however, the police did tell me that they had spoken to those three men. I don't know what, happens. I don't know, uh, if there was any interact, what interaction there was between those men and Laura. Right. Um, but it was hours before she disappeared and I think they might know something and I would like to talk to them.
0: Uh, I would too on your behalf. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that is something that Brandon and I have been tossing around for quite a while that there really wasn't any information out there about what went on at that party. And we wondered, because the information was so vague, if maybe it was somebody who lived up in New Hampshire that was down there visiting a friend at UMass, and that's why she got off the highway at that particular point, and that's maybe where she was going.
1: Exactly. Or something more nefarious happened, uh, because, you know, Mara left the, her, her own dorm. All she had to do was go upstairs and go to bed. Right. She, she didn't. She got in my dad's brand new car, probably was drinking, uh, and drove it to his hotel. Why right. did she do that? And Was she, was she running from...
0: Right. Some, did something happen at that party? Did your dad ever ask her why she did that? Why didn't she just go up to her dorm?
1: Yeah. I mean, Mara was so upset um, because she, you know, wrecked my dad's brand new car. Right. Right. So she, she was, you know, my dad describes it as she was very, very upset. Like, cause we were hard on ourselves. We never wanted to ask our parents for money. We never wanted to be a bother. Right. And here she is being, being a huge bother Right. and a potential huge financial, um, uh, you know, this, liability for for right right if if he didn't have insurance thankfully he called he had insurance and he was like all right we're good like we'll figure it out um he got a rental car and went back to connecticut um but that really really upset mara but i'm not sure whether there was something obviously there was something else going on that was upsetting her right and i don't know what that is
0: So going back to the car, when you're saying that it was uh, beat up and you mentioned before that it was pretty much almost undriveable, like, do you recall, like, what kind of mechanical problems it had?
1: yeah uh it was one of the cylinders was or I don't know the technical mechanical term for it, but it was running on three cylinders oh um, okay,
0: so that, wow, all right, so it was that was really bad. How in God's name did she make it all the way up to New Hampshire in that that
1: that's the thing like I know that she would drive it like small distances around campus, right. I know she could she could do that um but my dad told her, do not drive this car, Mara. And when my dad visited her, she did not drive that car. I don't know. I don't know why she, I don't know why she would take that risk.
0: Right. And that, and knowing that in advance is a little puzzling, um, as to why she would, cause that's, that's a long way from Amherst all the way up to, you know, Northern New. That's a long way to take that car. Wow. Um, in February. Yes. Like
1: on, a, on a Monday. Yes, exactly. I, yeah. And
0: exactly. I have to
1: assume she was by herself.
0: So then where where she got off the highway, then you do you have any idea why she would get off the highway there? Was that a route to a destination that your family maybe took in the past? Or is that still a complete mystery as to why she got off the highway there?
1: My family was, we would go up to the white mountains. Um, but we would be coming from Boston. Okay. So we would go up, um, we wouldn't go up the same road. She, she went up, okay. um, coming from UMass. Okay. Um, that's not to say that she had hadn't driven up that way before because she had gone to, um, Burlington. Okay. Uh, before, but earlier that day she looked up, um, a condo that was in Bartlett. Now, my family stayed at that condo complex before. Right. So she called Bartlett and she also called 1 800 Go Stow. So, Go Stow, I would assume she was trying to find out rates or reservations, but it went just to an automated line that she never spoke to a person. Right. So, those are two very different geographical areas. Yeah. Right. So uh, what I can assume is that she's driving up and decides, oh, I'm going to go with the Bartlett location, so I've got to get off at this exit, and then I'm going to hook on to 112, which turns into the Kankamagas Highway. Now, we knew and loved the Kankamagas Highway, so while I can't say she was familiar with that exit or that area, she was familiar with... Lincoln, Kankamagas Highway, Hartlett, okay. North Conway, all of that.
0: Okay. So she was familiar with surrounding areas, just not the particular area that she was in. Yes. Okay. Brandon told me, and I don't know where he got this from, and it may not be true, that uh, Morris's license was suspended at the time. Is that true?
1: Morris' license was suspended. Okay. Um, she had gotten a, a speeding ticket in July of 2003. Okay. And hooks it and she was dropping her what we believe we believe she was dropping her boyfriend off at Boston Logan and then going back up to New Hampshire through hooks it to um, rejoin my dad up okay. in um, the White Mountains okay. and she was going like 99 and got pulled over and hooks it like early early on a Sunday morning um,
0: yeah been there. And so it
1: happens <laughs> so that it happens yes. to me too.
0: No worries. I got it. No, but yeah. so that that's why her license was suspended because of a speeding ticket. Well,
1: she was going so fast.
0: Really? Yeah. I guess I've just been really lucky. So, I mean, it makes sense to me that she wasn't going to go once her, she hit the tree. She wasn't going to go to a neighbor if she had been drinking either earlier in the day or on her drive or she pulled over and had something to drink if she had alcohol on her breath and she had a suspended license. Any neighbor who smelled that if they called the police, more is gonna go to jail for a DUI. So it makes sense to me that she would not have wanted to do that.
1: I I agree.
0: So I mean, I hate to ask this question because I know that you're just going to be guessing, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, so, what what do you what do you and your family believe happened to Mora?
1: Well, we we think that she went around the corner at the weathered barn, lost control of the car. You know, airbags go off right in the face. May <sighs> have been drinking, although we can't say for sure. Her head may have hit the windshield. We know the windshield was cracked on the driver's Mm -hmm. side. Uh, She had just gotten into an accident hours, we could say, before, you know, early, early Sunday morning. So, you know, I don't know if there was residual, um, you know, lingering effects of of that first crash. You know, who's to say, you know, I don't know if anyone checked her out for a head injury after the first crash. So... Um, I think that, you know, she's in this crash, she's panicking and all of a sudden this bus driver drives up and it's like, Hey, do you want help? And I, this is just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm just speculating. I, I tried to put myself in her shoes and figure out what I would do. But if that just happened to me and the bus driver comes up, you know, almost immediately, she declines his help. And she said, I called AAA. She may have done that because she didn't, she hadn't had time to formulate a plan. You know, she may not. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So she's like, no, I'm good. I got it. And then two seconds later, she said, oh, no, I don't got it. You know? Yeah. And so then, you know, she declines a bus driver, and then somebody else comes along, and she's like, oh, okay, I got to take this opportunity to get out of here because. You know, I don't want to get hemmed up if I had been drinking uh, and I want to just get away from the scene. Or just because uh, of the
0: suspended license as well.
1: Well, so she, what I believe is she took a ride from somebody that did, did harm to her.
0: Okay. Um, I'm of the same opinion and put myself in her shoes as well. Um, and I mean, no offense to the bus driver, he looked really creepy, um, to me, if I were in my twenties and had just gotten into an accident, had a suspended license, or perhaps had alcohol in my breath and this creepy guy driving a school bus pulls up, there's no way I'm having anything to do with him. I'm just going to say, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Moving along. You know I, I'm I, I I get why she would not have wanted to take help from him he looked creepy um, so I I get why she wouldn't have and I, I really believe the same thing I I'm of two minds about it I really think that either someone picked her up and did harm to her or someone picked her up and dropped her off somewhere and something happened to her at that spot but then I kind of reel back and say well if if she was dropped off somewhere why did nobody see her get dropped off why has nobody come forward and said oh we saw her that day at this gas station or at this phone booth or you know whatever so eh, I'm on the fence about that as well do you or your family have any suspects that you feel strongly about that could have done her harm
1: well we we've had a few um, throughout the years, um, there's been, um, some local rumors, um, there's been, there's some, there's some bad actors in that area for sure. I mean, and that's just public record. You can, you can verify yep. that for yourself. Uh, and we have, and, and, you know, my dad was, was very good about that. Um, very early on, um, he'd just go and knock on people's doors and ask them what they know. And most of them told them what they knew. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a handful. Um, of course, you know, I've asked the police, you know, who's the suspect? Like, who are we looking into? And they're like, well, we can't we can't tell share you that. Any of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, yes, we have a handful of of suspects that we um, think may know something. I'm not going to say may have done something, but they may know something.
0: Okay. I, I just, I, I can't get over the fact that no one will tell you who else was at that party. And yeah. I, 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 w- I would really want to know that personally, just because both Brandon and myself have always thought that that might have been the basis for something to yeah. cause her to drive up to New Hampshire. And maybe she was meeting somebody up there, or or that was the reason why she was going, or whatever. And
1: I have a lot of time to think about all these different theories. And when I get on a new one, because you know, I was, I was, I was like, oh, did it? Blah blah blah. And then okay, right. judge, you know, did it.
0: Have they had a forensic investigator look at that laptop?
1: I sure hope so, but I don't know.
0: That uh,
1: you know, I asked. I sat in in the cold case unit office in concord new hampshire and i was like you know we've got mara's cell phone records so what have you what have you learned from the dorm records and they just looked at me they're like oh they hadn't they haven't got they don't have the dorm phone records mara was on her the a family line with her boyfriend she's 21 if she's talking to other dudes, she's not going to do it on the phone where her boyfriend can see
0: who
1: she's calling. She's going to use the dorm.
0: I I now am am even more frustrated for you and your family than I was before. Uh, (laughs) And I I, I was really hoping that it was going to kind of go the other way. Uh, (laughs) And I realize this is probably an added expense, but have you guys hired an attorney to try to get the case files from the police? Since they don't appear to be doing anything with them.
1: Well, very early on, um, in two thousand six and two thousand seven, we had an attorney um, sue the state of New Hampshire for the case files on behalf of my dad. Um, they declined it at the lower court, and then we uh, appealed it, and then it went to the Supreme Court of New Hampshire. And at the Supreme Court, um, they they took a look at it and they said, "Wow, you have like." thousands of records why can't the family see any of them right so what what happened was they we sort of won in that they had to give us some of it and they made the state categorize um i think it's called a Vaughn index they made them categorize okay these records are phone records here's why you can't see these these are credit cards these are polygraphs and so they bucketed them into 20 okay. different categories. And they were able to release like a few things, like they gave us some redacted crap that-
0: That you can't read it, anything on anyway. Yeah. Right.
1: And so that was sort of a win, but really not a win. Um, so I I tried a couple years back, I tried to solicit some lawyers to say, hey, could you, what do you think? Our chances are the right to know laws in New Hampshire have changed. Um, It's been 17 years. Like They couldn't give the the records up back in 2006, two to three years after the investigation. But where's the investigation now? Who are the suspects? What are you doing? What are the chances of it going to a criminal trial? You haven't even categorized it as criminal. It's still an open investigation. Why are all these files being withheld from my family? Why can't my family see the computer? Why can't my family have... The, see the ATM video. Why can't my family see the dorm photos?
0: Right, and this doesn't
1: make sense.
0: What What did the attorneys say?
1: Well, the the attorney um, Jeff Strelzen, who is still there, he's the assistant attorney general. He was sort of in charge. Um, he said, under oath, there's a seventy five percent chance that this uh, case will go to will lead to criminal um, pers- or Will result in law enforcement proceedings.
0: If they're seventy five percent sure it's going to end in legal proceedings, why haven't they done that yet? If you exactly. know, if you know that that's where it's going to lead, and you have the evidence that it will lead there, what the heck are you doing? I
1: know. Many of the lawyers that I spoke to said, "Yeah, we have a we have a really good shot. We have a really good shot." And then the Oxygen show came out, the six part series. How did you feel
0: law- about that? By the way.
1: Um, it was, I felt mixed about it. I was thrilled for the exposure. Um, I knew going in that it's TV and so everything was going to be sensationalized. You know, I sat down with, um, Maggie and Art, uh, from the show for probably four hours. And I was, I probably had two minutes in there. So law enforcement sat down for probably the same four hours apiece. Uh, and so it was just, you know, I mean, it was just for TV, but
0: no, I, I agree. They had me until they brought on the psychic. I'm just...
1: I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I was like, you have four hours of Cecil Smith sitting there right. and, and John Monahan, and you're going to put two minutes of them and put an hour of a psychic and then set up my poor sister Kathleen by putting someone in a secret room beside her. Right.
0: Catch your lying <laughs> uh but no I, I i have to i have to just say that you and your dad and your entire family have been so brave through all of this and so strong and to try to continue to keep this alive and to try to continue um the chatter about it so that you can get somewhere with it is is just it, it's incredible that it's still going on to this day and i'm so happy that you're even if they're inconsequential that you're at least getting some tips and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I wish that it was more, I just, somebody has to know something. And frankly, Brandon and I want to figure out who knows something so that we can <laughs> give that to you <laughs> because we, we want your family to be at peace and we want, we want Mora's body to be found. And just wondering what she went through in her last moments. I mean, you are the bravest family I think I've ever seen. And I just, I, I continue the fight. You guys are doing a great job. And at some point I would love to meet your dad because he's, he's he's just seems like such a great guy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: And you know, yeah, my dad is a really great guy and, no, but I mean, my dad, for, for what he's been through, my dad is doing amazing. Um, but he's like constantly like, I, I call him all the time and he's like, all right, what's, what are we doing next? What are we doing next?
0: Good for him. Oh like, my gosh. Good for him. Like, yeah.
1: Dad. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to your, the one episode you did and I was like, whoa, they are like, actually know what they're talking about. And I mean, it's not the same old, like, let's go over the, t- you know, I mean, the timeline's important, but it's just it's been beaten up and the way that you guys presented the case, I just really I thought it was really well done, so well, thank, thank you. you for thank you
0: that. No problem. um, I just we're gonna try we're just finishing up our season one, but we're gonna kind of have this as a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll probably do a follow-up in season two. For me, I want to try to do a more episode a season. Just to... Well,
1: there's, there's plenty of material. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. And it's just to, I mean, we now have listeners all over the world. And if there is someone that knows something or someone that knows someone that might have had something to do with it, the more pressure we can put on them, the more likely you are to get a good tip. So... And if I hear anything, I'm sending it to you. I have not gotten any tips, but um, I have encouraged people to, you know, contact the cold case people. But if anyone emails me about any information, I'm sending it to you. I, I I know how that goes, but thank you so much, Julie, for taking the time to talk today. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And whatever questions you have, or you can, I'm sure you'll think of more. I'm, I'm an open book. I mean, Great. if you a, ask me anything and uh, Do my best
0: answer. Well, great. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks. Have a
0: good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. And a large thank you to Julie Murray for speaking with me. If you have any information regarding the Maura Murray case or her whereabouts, please email us at trueenoughnation at gmail.com. We would like to try to give Morris family some peace. So please, if you know anything, anything at all, please contact us. Additionally, remember to subscribe to True Enough for our upcoming season where we try to determine what is true enough to be believed.